energy. Welcome to the Activated Authors Podcast, a show where we distill the core principles of what it takes to become a happy, healthy, and productive author, no matter what stage of the journey you're at. I'm your host, Daniel Wilcox. I'm an international best-selling author, as well as an author coach, speaker, and creative entrepreneur. But most importantly, I'm a lifelong student of all things productivity, psychology, and human behavior. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. Without further ado, let's dive in. What is up, Activators? And welcome to another episode of the Activated Authors Podcast. Today, I am delighted to be joined by none other than the incredible Becca Wilcox. Say hi, Becca. Hi. Becca Wilcox is a level four qualified nutrition coach dedicated to helping others to gain a better understanding and relationship of food to further achieve their goals. Becca wants to help others find their own food freedom and gain a sustainable balance when it comes to their nutritional health. And interestingly, in case people haven't realized, Becca is also my sister. So this is this is interesting because this, this is the first time we've ever done anything kind of recorded like this on a professional capacity. Like you are involved in activated authors, you help a lot of the authors in there and sort of dive in and give them nutritional advice and stuff. But like, firstly, how does it feel to be in this kind of situation with your brother? It's weird. <laughs> It is, it is quite bizarre like normally it's actually in the room and talking and now it's yeah. yeah although we did zoom back and forth quite a lot during the pandemic because you were actually my nutritional coach throughout the pandemic period so I want to start by saying thank you for helping me lose weight and if anyone's wondering um part of the reason I grew that horrendous beard was because of the challenge that you helped him through yes which we're all glad that you don't have that beard anymore <laughs> oh so uh, that was nothing better than shaving off that beard like little comes close I, I still remember just there <laughs> just falling off in the sink and being like freedom <laughs> See, you did just get food freedom <laughs> we did straight away for food freedom but I mean let's let's dive into you and a little bit of what you do so part of the reason I wanted to bring you on the podcast is obviously you you do nutrition you do food and some like amazing things that you've got going on and um over the years of doing my author business, I've realized how critical food can be to everything that I do. Basically, it's not exclusive to authors. It's not exclusive to just, you know, people trying to exercise and get better. Um, but I want to dive a little bit in with, you know, let the listeners know about your journey, how you got into this sort of path with nutrition and the kind of stuff that you're you're doing with Food Freedom. Yeah, so I have had a long fitness journey and I started going to the gym and things but nothing was really happening and then I had a horrible two years where I was in a lot of pain with my stomach a lot and related it to the fact that the foods I was eating were making me in pain had a lot of issues with doctors and eventually found out that I had cool stones mm. which were not very nice um but because of the trauma that it caused me it gave me a really bad relationship with food because I was scared to eat anything in case it caused me agony and then I'd be mm. up all night and it was horrible. Um, so I wanted to learn a little bit more about it so that I could help myself. Um, and that basically led me into looking at nutrition courses. And during that time, I got my own coach so that I could learn a bit more about how it happens and how they help you and why it's a good thing to have a coach and the accountability side of things. Um, the coach I had at the time wasn't great and pushed me a lot. And my relationship with food got worse and I got a very complicated relationship with food and my body image, mm. which wasn't very fun. Um, but then, yeah, I learned more about food and who I am and I got a better coach. And now I use food to keep my body fueled and I feel healthier than I've ever felt. And 
now I get to help loads of other people with it. So the aim of Food Freedom with Becca is to help people that, not only people that don't have good relationships with food, but anyone that wants to lose weight in a sustainable way because fad diets and cutting out certain groups of food and all of that is just ridiculous because now that I know more about it and I'm studying my level five, I know how the foods affect your body and when you don't have them, what happens to your body and Mm. it doesn't put you in a good place. (laughs) No. And I mean, yeah, looking at that journey, which number one, obviously I've, I've seen a lot of that alongside you as you've been going through it. And, you know, the whole gallstone thing went on for ages and you would tell me about just, you know, eating a slightly fatty meal would aggravate it or certain just tiny little certain changes I had oil in my food <laughs> yeah and it would really really flare up and I suppose that you know food is one of these things that we just we do just take for granted like we grow up we're sort of fed whatever foods we eat we just eat whatever we want and you know I I remember at school they showed us the food wheel and all the kind of basics but there really never was an emphasis on how food really affects the body and you know it it really does as, as with the case with your gallstone but how how was it to kind of dive into that journey and start learning more about this kind of stuff because food is surprisingly difficult to learn about it is and that we're brought up very much that there are good foods and there are bad foods and if you want to be healthy you should not eat chocolate and sugar and you should avoid fat and all of that but when you learn that every piece of food can be good food because it's got nutrients and those nutrients get used in your body um but learning about how like carbohydrates for example are broken down and used as energy and if you don't eat them your energy gets pulled from fat sources that are there for as a backup and an emergency source so if you're always relying on them you never have an emergency source for when you are actually in need of backup (laughs) energy so it was really interesting for me to learn what parts of our food affect us and not even like just the carbs fats and protein but the micronutrients we have and the vitamins and that side of things because you don't think about whether you've had enough vitamin d because you think you get that from the sun but it also comes from food or you don't think about your if you eat too much vitamin k for example your skin will literally go orange so if you eat carrots you do turn orange (laughs) Well, not just carrots, too many carrots. Yeah. I <laughs> um, guess that's similar to the sort of like pink pigmentation that flamingos have from the food that they eat. Yeah, exactly. It can change your body depending on if you have too much or too little of something. I feel like I want to test this because I've always been very, very pale. <laughs> I would <laughs> but, not advise that. <laughs> but yeah, I will say like, obviously your journey has been um, really interesting to watch, like in a good way to kind of see you come through all of this and go from, <clears throat> excuse me, where you were, to kind of where you are now and I know that speaking on the work that we did together at the start of um was 2021 mm-hmm. um I found it fascinating because I really I felt like I was being healthy and I felt like I was you know minimizing the fatty food so I could focus on sort of quote healthier foods yeah. um and I'm probably going to get some of the numbers wrong but I think it worked out that I was actually eating about 1600 calories and because I wasn't eating enough my body was holding on to every single calorie and I wasn't losing weight yeah. and then from working with you we stepped that up to 2,200 calories 
of you know healthier food which number one is a jump anyway like i i, I don't know if like people realize this but to go from 1600 calories and then like it's easy to add on uh 600 of just like general foods but when you're ad- actually adding on like foods that fuel you and they're good foods like it was amazing because i felt like before i kind of did feel like i was really holding myself back but then i felt when we changed it like i was gorging but at the same time it was healthier foods that were good for me so it was yeah. a really strange experience but because of that i then started losing weight <laughs> and it doesn't make sense so like why why did that work so most people's problem when it comes to weight loss is that we do not eat enough food purely because the media tells us that the less you eat the quicker you'll lose weight and it will come off and it is true in that if you suddenly stop eating as much your weight will come off very quickly when you start cutting your food down to a lower level it's fine for a little while but then your body will go into a starvation mode where it no longer trusts your brain so it thinks that this person doesn't know how to feed me anymore I don't know when I'm getting my next meal so I'm just going to hold on to this because I'll need a backup in case we don't get fed ever again and the you get out of sync with your brain so it doesn't think that you're going to feed it whereas if you give your body regular food and enough calories for your body it knows okay there's more food coming so I'm going to actually use this and burn it because there's going to be more food in a couple of hours. The body is smart I think um I don't know how much of we spoke about during the program or how much stuff you sort of talk about about that i think people forget that you know we as humans used to live very different much more natural sort of like lives a couple a thousand years ago or longer than that and like just how quickly we've civilized hasn't necessarily affected how our brains work and how our bodies work like we're not built for this world when you look at babies babies come into this world Mm. they listen to their bodies babies cry when they want food they stop eating when they're full babies that is how a brain should work but as soon as we get older we go oh chocolate's nice I'm going to eat lots of that or your mum goes you need to eat your vegetables so then you grow up hating vegetables because they're forced upon you and you're not listening to what your body wants Mm. like most of the time when I tell so my whole food freedom thing is that people can eat anything they want if you fancy chocolate have chocolate but then when you allow yourself to have that food every single day you then start actually fancying like fruit and vegetables because you've had enough chocolate, you've had enough carbs and your body wants the things it's not getting. And then you get that healthier cycle of things because you let yourself have what it wants and you listen to yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things I love about um, what I was working with you. And I will say like, this isn't necessarily just an advert for what you do, but I think just generally like, uh, no one, I'm a big, big advocate, but um, number two, like, I think it is just really important to know this stuff because as you say, most most diets tend to be elimination diets of things that we like and things mm-hmm. that we love, and not necessarily like there isn't there isn't really good food and bad foods. It's just bad food habits and you know certain things that we eat. So we should maybe eat a bit less of, but it doesn't mean we have to exclude having them. Um, and as as we mentioned, you've kind of gone through that journey. You've gone from where you were to where you are now, which is a much more body confident, but um, body confident in yourself, but also body confident in promoting that to other people and sort of. I've seen on your Instagram and the stuff that you do, you're very sort of um, open and vocal about, you know, things like bloating and just like the natural sort of cycles of, um, you know, how you look throughout the day. Um, I, I know a lot of people who tend to not really understand sort of the cycles of, again, how you look during the day, but also the numbers on the scales and how that fluctuates. Yeah. So is it worth touching on that just to kind mm. of give people a heads up on what, what the day looks like almost for, for, for the body? Yeah, so first of all, it's very different for men and women. And a lot of women, for example, underestimate that 
So when you eat food and when you wake up in the morning, your body has just spent the whole night digesting everything. You are relaxed and your body's whole job is just to digest the foods inside of you, store them in a way that you can use them in that day and ready for the day to begin. You, so you get up, your stomach is flatter because you have digested everything and there's nothing in there. So you feel like you look good in the mirror. Then you have your breakfast. That's great. That goes into your body. Most breakfast foods are slow to digest, so they don't make you that bloated, but they go in. You don't notice them. As the day goes on, there's more in your stomach to digest and different parts of food take different time to digest. So fats, for example, take up to four hours to be digested, which is a long time to be sat in your stomach, therefore making you look bloated or foods with high fiber content like beans, for example, if you eat them, you're likely to get bloated because it just takes longer to go through your body because fiber slows down that process so that it makes you poop more regularly, <laughs> um, which is always a good thing. So your body will fluctuate in the day. And especially for women, because we have got our womb, we have to have extra padding in front of it to protect us from external things so that we don't damage the way that we can reproduce when we blow it bloats over our wombs and our ovaries to protect them mm. so women especially as you go throughout the day will get very bloated and it doesn't happen to everyone but bloat happens to a lot of people and by the end of the day you can look in the mirror and look completely different to the person that you were when you woke up but you go to sleep you let your body relax and it's gone and all that bloating is, is your body doing what it's supposed to do to the food you have. And it just shows your body is working. Mm. <laughs> like there are bad sides of bloat. Like some people are just not allergic to foods, but they don't respond as well to foods. And when a bloat then gets painful and uncomfortable, something is wrong. And that is not an okay thing to have every day. Mm. But bloating in general is everybody bloats. <laughs> yeah, it really, it really is sort of, again, strange that, we, we forget that we're biological creatures and we just kind of expect like, oh, if I look this way at this time, I should look this way at this time. And you look in your mirror and something like, oh, something's a bit off. And like, it's the mental game. And I think um, a lot of that will come down to you know, the influences of what we see around us and the different definitions of what people think people should look like. Um, and I mean, we can get into a lot of that, but we'll kind of, we've got a lot of questions to get through. So I'll, I'll, I'll go past that. Um what are some common mistakes that people make that can be easily rectified? And I'm sure that these are numerous. Yeah, there's a lot of things, but I'm going to stay more focused around authors as that is your main audience. Hey. First thing, as you're drinking water, hydration. <laughs> <laughs> that was very good on cue. <laughs> um, hydration, so many people just, they think because they're not thirsty, they don't need to drink water or I'll get clients and they'll say oh yeah I only drink like a cup of water a day I'm like I don't ever feel thirsty I don't fancy drinks that is again a bit like the whole starvation mode for your body your body's so dehydrated that it's scared to ask for water because it doesn't think it'll get any so it doesn't want to distract your brain by telling it to get water because it thinks there's none around and so as you start drinking, and a lot of my clients have had this, I've got them to drink more. They've been like, oh, my God, I'm waking up so thirsty. I'm going into the kitchen and drinking like a litre of water because my body just wants it. Because it's suddenly gone, oh, water's available. Let's have it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's so many benefits of water. Like, I know you yourself, you drink a lot of water. And that was never something we had to work on. <laughs> but, <laughs> 
water affects every process in your body like to make energy energy is glucose and water you need the water to make it happen and if you're not giving yourself the water your brain can't think properly your muscles can't fix like heal and make new cells you need that water Mm. and especially for writers if you're going to sit and try to focus on a screen for ages if you don't have water you then rely on caffeine which we will get into later (laughs) (laughs) but you rely on other things and you lose your focus you get angry you get stressed all because you're not drinking water (laughs) Mm. yeah I remember my um a lot of uh my health changed when I was 17 18 I had quite bad acne and I'd heard some stuff like some positive stuff about water which again it seems like when you actually think of who we are as creatures and what our history is and the fact that we know that like we can't really go without water without dying like water is such a fundamental part of the world our world and like us as, anyway um but I, I took it on a challenge to just drink only water for two weeks like I cut out coffees and squashes and everything else and um, a minimum of two liters of water and over that two weeks the first the first week was tough I'll be honest but then yeah. my skin started clearing up I found myself more awake throughout the day and I actually ended up drinking just water I think for about three or four months um, mm-hmm. and obviously like that's quite extreme and I came out of that but just feeling the effects and seeing visually the effects especially at that time yeah. when like I, say, I had quite a lot of spots as you well know <laughs> um so what else what Hold it, on. it does it clears your skin like your cells like people want younger looking skin and younger looking skin tends to be fuller because if you think as you get older your skin sags a bit and there's less to it the more water you drink it literally lines your face and gives you that fuller face look face look that's weird word (laughs) (laughs) nice and cheruby yeah not chubby but like healthy it gives you that glow and water does so many things in your body and like you were saying it's something that we shouldn't have to think about like if you had a pet and you had a dog you would automatically give it a bowl of water every day Mm. and know that if you didn't give it water you'd feel awful yet humans don't think oh I should give myself some water yeah yep so so much of this um also on that note side note for people who are watching on youtube you will see my dog in the background that's a brand new thing that's all I have to sound that matter very cute Uh (laughs) brand new little dog fast asleep better um what uh, what are some other mistakes Um, Okay, so another one is having caffeinated drinks with meals. So caffeine itself, and again, we can go further into that later, prevents absorption of iron into your body. And iron is such a key nutrient in that all of your red blood cells are made of iron. And you need that to keep your body 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 functioning. Um, so if you're having like everyone will wake up and have a cup of tea in their breakfast or you'll have a coffee with your lunch when you go out and meet a friend at a cafe Mm. you are literally stopping your body from absorbing the thing you want to absorb from your food so an easy way to fix it give 20 minutes either way so either 20 minutes before your food or 20 minutes after your food that window don't drink coffee or caffeinated drinks or monster or energy anything with caffeine in it Mm because it allows your body to absorb iron, which a lot of people struggle to absorb anyway, and then end up tired and anemic because they're not absorbing the, the iron that they need. Yeah. And again, just specifically for people listening who uh, might be panicking a little bit, like we're not saying don't drink caffeine, just no. saying like time it, time it a little bit differently, like just make a slight change just to vastly improve, you know, 
your, your health. So obviously part of when we work together, there is a big element. And actually, I think this was probably the hardest thing for me. And I know that uh, at the same time, mum was also one of your guinea pigs very, very early on. Um, mm-hmm. One of the, the most difficult parts that I found was tracking the food and getting into the habit of food tracking. Because obviously you can't, like with anything, you can't really make change unless you have some sort of like data and statistics to go off of. Like when I work with authors and we look at sort of like how to be more productive and stuff, we look at the stats how much do you write like keep a track like you know actually you have to force yourself to be conscious of what you're doing in order to change things because most of the time it's just subliminal stuff that we just do unconsciously um so how important is tracking to food um and you know what are the best ways for people to keep track of their food okay so tracking has many misconceptions and a lot of people i was one of them get very addicted to tracking to begin with and obsessive and it it's not for everybody but like you said in order to understand your body and lose weight you need to know what's going into your body so that you can adjust what's coming out of your body in terms of how much energy you're burning to know whether you're in a calorie deficit which is when you're burning more than you're eating or a calorie surplus when you're eating more than you're burning depending on what your goal is um and tracking doesn't have to be difficult so I have always used my fitness pal because it has every single food on there that you need and you don't ever have to think about it however side note is that my fitness pal will always give you calories that it thinks you should have to help you achieve your goals they are always massively out and are very generalized to the to people rather than specific to you and your needs and your height and your age and your gender and all of those things So never take into account the calories they give you. Mm. But with tracking, it is the easiest way to do it. I, for my clients, always insist that at least the first eight weeks we track calories because it makes you aware of what's in the food you're having. Like you might sit there with a bag of nuts and think, oh, nuts are very healthy. I'll put them next to me and that will be my snack while I sit and write. But there's a lot of calories in nuts. They're not bad calories because fats are really good for your body, but fats per gram have a lot more calories to them. So a handful of nuts could literally be as much as you should be having for dinner, but you won't even know about it. So then you don't lose weight because it's those things that you don't pick up on or Mm -hmm. as annoying as it is like buttering your bread, butter is a fat again. So it gives you a lot more calories and oils and things but that doesn't mean fat should be avoided, but it's those little things that add up that prevent you from losing weight because you're not tracking them and you're not understanding. Yeah, I know that um, one thing you were very keen on with us was sauces and oils when you're cooking because I'd never taken those into consideration. Exactly. People forget about them. They think that the only thing you should be tracking is the food you're eating, but there is calories in anything that you put into your body because... Mm there's something in it that can be broken down and used. And this is also, I think, why it's so useful to, you know, actually get professional help when it comes to understanding your body for nutrition, because one thing I really like, again, this is just a massive shout out to your business, but like, again, like it it did transform much of my thinking and my body in many ways, but like, it's very, very individualized. So it's not just this blanket, okay, you are, woman so you have 2000 calories you are man you have 2500 calories like you're very specific at taking into account how often do you exercise how tall are you like actually how old are you what are all the different sort of biometrics what are you trying to achieve like what does your typical diet look like because obviously what you're currently eating if that's not working that will shape your inside 
into yeah. a way that you then have to work slightly differently so there's so many um aspects to it to try and just fit but I, I do definitely highly recommend just seeking advice on this stuff i will also add that um while i say the tracking uh, the tracking calorie stuff is heavy to start with like you get used to it real easy yeah and again with my fitness pal you can literally if there's a meal you know you have every week you can log it as a meal and then you just literally push one button and it's there and you don't have to go through and add every ingredient every single time <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so you also mentioned a little bit earlier about coffee um yeah. <laughs> lots of writers are very heavy coffee consumers i know i've been there um what are, what are some key facts that writers should know about coffee so we can keep enjoying that sweet brown nectar so i'll do coffee and tea just because they come hand in hand and some people are tea people but the recommended amounts of coffee per day is two cups of coffee so that is two regular sized mugs of instant coffee for teas you can have five cups of teas because there's less caffeine in tea mm-hmm. <laughs> um obviously this is a recommended allowance and that doesn't mean you can't have more or less and you can mix and match coffee and tea if you would like <laughs> um not in the same cup no I mean, <laughs> tea or a toffee <laughs> yes <laughs> Ooh. um but no the caffeine levels are the reason that coffee is restricted to how much it is just because caffeine is a brilliant thing and it can be used to help your attention span and to help you focus and to just even like if you're going to the gym it can help give you that buzz to push through and get stronger so when it's used right caffeine is a brilliant thing and should never be cut out of your diet but when you have too much of it it's the long-term effects you never see it straight away you might see that oh, okay, this caffeine isn't doing what it used to to me. Like it used to make me feel buzzed and now I need to have another coffee a day because that's not working. Again, drink some water, please. (laughs) But the main thing with it is the long-term effect. So the more caffeine you have, the more your body relies on it and the more it affects your nervous system and your brain more. So when you get older, your nervous system is going to struggle more because it's constantly buzzing with the caffeine that's going that, Again, a bit like when you don't tell your body when to eat, your body will rely on the caffeine and no longer know how to function by itself and you will have to reteach it. And not to mention all of the heart problems that can come with drinking too much caffeine because obviously you increase your heart rate when you drink caffeine Mm -hmm. and it can lead to palpitations and all sorts of heart-related medical issues when you're older, which we'd like to avoid. (laughs) Yes. I will say from... um my own personal experience with coffee i i had really bad eye twitching from caffeine at one point i was getting heart palpitations as well in my in uh, my old day job at one point i was on must have been like nine nine coffees a day um and that was sort of from morning to night like and then i ended up getting sick and i couldn't have coffee for two days so i was like i'll just quit cold turkey and i will say that the next two three weeks were tough you go through withdrawal symptoms it's literally a drug (laughs) yeah it was it was migraine it was struggling to focus because the screen was literally swimming when I was trying to get work done it was um irritability like there was a lot and yeah it's as you say it's moderation and just there's a point past where it becomes effective and just becomes like something that you lean on yeah and what I will say is that if anyone is going to cut down on coffee, do not go cold turkey. Like all of my clients, <laughs> we set a reasonable, say you were drinking eight cups of coffee a day. We set a reasonable amount of like five cups of coffee to start with so that we slowly get it closer to the 
goal don't do things really quickly and drastically because your body will crash mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and obviously there are decaf coffees out there which yeah. we don't necessarily like as much but decaf coffees you can have as many coffees as you would like if they are decaf the only downside to decaf is the way they get the caffeine out they have to use a certain chemical and there are traces left in the decaf coffee which some people don't agree with consuming over a long period of time interesting yeah no i totally agree with that um i i have a lot of questions that i'd like to dive in but i think so we have sourced some questions from the activated office community because obviously there are a lot of people in there that you've been speaking to some that you've actually worked with um i thought this would be a good chance to give people sort of um the opportunity just to ask some more questions from you so the first one comes from caitlin duncan who says i worked with becca and we focused a lot on snacking and movement it'll be interesting to know ways i can keep moving and the best snacks for longer periods of time while i'm in the writing zone yes okay so i'm going to split it into two things so we'll talk about moving first and then snacks as a writer and anyone really that has a desk job where you are sat down all the time movement is difficult because you want to get into a zone but realistically you should move your body every hour just because it keeps the blood flow going it keeps you sane (laughs) and it just it's good for your general body um so ways you can improve that stupid things like if you have more than one toilet in your house go to the toilet that is furthest away it gives Mm -hmm. you extra steps it gives you a break whenever you need to pee and you'll want to pee more because you're drinking more water yes oh yes (laughs) Uh, lunch breaks Everybody needs lunch breaks and a lot of people neglect them when they're working because they try and power through. One lunch breaks are super important because you need that energy to give you the focus to work through the afternoon. If you don't eat, then you will crash. And you used to get the afternoon stump if you weren't eating enough. Yeah, that was a big thing from my from my program. Exactly. So have a lunch break, but use that lunch break. Even if it's like a 15 minute walk around the block, it doesn't have to be a long walk, but it gets you moving. Um, other things you can do when you're out and about park further away from Tesco's walk to the shops instead of drive to the shop those things will make make a difference yeah and setting reminders on your watch or your phone to go off every now and then just to say yo get up move (laughs) go have a chat with someone socialize Mm -hmm. (laughs) see the world don't just stare at your screen (laughs) (laughs) that will all help keep you moving and also, you don't have to be a gym goer or an active person. There are things on YouTube literally there to help you get your steps up and get you moving, where you can just stand in front of a screen and do what they tell you or get a treadmill like you do that you yes. can stand on while you talk or write or read. Probably not read, you might fall off, but <laughs> those kind of things. Yeah, you say that, though, to be fair. So um, for context, I bought a treadmill when I moved into this place because I was doing a lot more of my dictation stuff. and that is really, really useful for, especially if it's raining outside, just walking while I'm dictating. But I do also have a little tablet holder that you can put on there. So, you know, if I wanted to walk and do some reading, I could, although it might, it might be difficult managing on the Kindle with massive letters and constantly having to page turn. Although saying that I have seen that people, um, there is a remote that you can get that turns a page for you on your Kindle. So as you're walking, you can just press the button and do that. And yeah, there's a, there's always a way to automate stuff, but an idea for people who want to read while they're working on the treadmill. But yes, yeah. the, the second part of that question. Yeah. So snacking, as I said, a lot of people remember breakfast, they have their lunch and then they will go all afternoon till dinner and not eat. I feel like you're accusing me here and like, yes, I did. That was my thing. Don't anymore. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a long part of the day that you should eat ideally every two to three hours just to keep your body ticking over and like I said reminding your body that your brain knows what it's doing and the food is coming mm-hmm. <laughs> um so the best thing for snacking is to be prepared like you have to plan because if you just let yourself crash and you just get hungry you will go for the quick convenience food of I'll just grab a chocolate bar I'll just order a takeaway I'll just do whatever if you plan in advance you can for example nuts they're good to have there but you can plan in advance and put a serving into pots so you can just put a pot by your desk and know that that is your snack or things that are good for you are things like granola and yogurt you can have a bowl of granola and yogurt while you're sat writing. You get a good amount of carbohydrates, which will keep your brain function, and a good amount of fats, which will make you feel fuller for longer, and then you don't crash. Having said that, there are ways to, if you feel like you're getting really tired and you're about to crash, you can obviously have quicker releasing foods, such as fruit, because the sugar will literally go straight into your bloodstream and you will feel better. Like, you might not feel satisfied because having an apple doesn't necessarily fill you up but an apple plus something would get you feeling a lot better a lot quicker Mm. and smoothies are my last snack that are very good things to have because you can literally make smoothie have it next to you while you're writing and just sit from it constantly throughout the day and you don't have to think about the fact that you're eating or not eating perfect consuming everything and what's your top smoothie recipe um, <laughs> just off the cuff <laughs> oats, oats protein powder milk banana mixed berries and peanut butter oh, that sounds nice um eden collier asks what are the best snack foods to have when you can't manage a full meal okay so again smoothies because you can pack so much so many nutrients into a smoothie by adding things like nuts not nuts seeds and peanut butters and protein powders and things that again you can sip it so you don't feel like you're getting that fullness very quickly but it gets you all of the nutrients that your body needs without making you feel uh, full up (laughs) and all you need really is a blender right yeah literally and you can get them for like 20 quid and they're not expensive (laughs) um and then other things are again aiming for nutrient dense food so things that have fats in them because like i said there is more calories per gram of fat than there are protein and carbs um but also things like potatoes rice and pasta because they have a lot of fiber in them fiber makes you feel fuller and takes longer to digest so they're easy foods when you're not that hungry Mm, i like that uh tina asks i am really interested in using food as medicine and the gut slash immune system connection why isn't the patient's diet the first thing we look at for management of chronic diseases Also, any food allergies and tips to undertake food elimination diets? There's quite a lot in that one. (laughs) Yeah. So first of all, I am a nutritionist, not a dietitian. Dietitians will be the people to go to if you've got any allergies, intolerances, any kind of chronic illnesses. So see them, not me. (laughs) Um, But I agree that doctors don't necessarily look to food as the first thing. And obviously going through my gallstones if they had have looked at my food straight away, we probably wouldn't have had two years of me being in pain because of food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, if you people overlook food and 
how important it is to you. And if you'd fallen over and hurt your back, you wouldn't necessarily go to a GP. You would go to a chiropractor because you know that they specialise in backs. GPs are a general practitioner. Therefore, they know your body, but they're not specific. If you know that something is happening because of food or you think it's a food-related thing, see a nutritionist if it's a weight loss thing or if it's more medical, see a dietitian because... You should always see the specialist in that thing. You wouldn't go to a dentist because you'd hurt your back. You'd go to a chiropractor. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and in terms of intolerances and allergies, there's a big difference between the two. If you have an allergy, you will have an allergic reaction and you should not eat that food. If you have an intolerance, it will mean it will make you uncomfortable. It can cause bloating and nausea and all of those things. But you can still have that food. Your body just doesn't like it. Mm-hmm. And how does that play into food elimination diets? Um, so in terms of trying things to see, it takes a long time and you have to be a very patient person because, like I said, there are every food has so many different nutrients and things in it that it's very hard to eliminate one thing. So you have to be very specific with what you pick and give it at least a month without that thing to say it is or isn't that thing that's caused the problem but again see a dietitian <laughs> man and all i had was an apple a day keeps the doctor away <laughs> uh, julie says uh i would like to ask how to eat in fuel training workouts especially when you need to balance in-depth writing sessions with long training sessions how to have snacks and meals easy and ready to write train right so julie does do a lot of walking a lot of cycling sort of physical stuff as well so yeah. how do you fuel Okay, so this one is a bit more in depth, so I'm not going to go too into it because we don't have time, but it all depends on the training that you're doing, the length of training and the intensity of your training. So if you are doing short training and it's intense, like running short distance, you will need carbohydrates because they are the thing that gets burnt through quickest and they are always there ready for you when you need them. If you're doing more of an endurance thing, you need a mixture of carbs and fats because, like I said, fats take longer to break down. But in a fat, you can get 32 molecules of energy from one piece of one gram of fat, whereas a carb, you only get two grams of energy. So there's quite the difference there. (laughs) Um, And then if it's sort of an in-between thing, it's usually carbs are always the best source for something that's short term. But again, if it's endurance, you also need things like isotonic drinks because they will keep you going because you need to stay hydrated as well as having the energy to keep you going. Um, And then it's just, again, you would probably need to see someone speak to them properly. But knowing what to eat an hour or two before you exercise is really important and not eating just before you exercise because you'll get a stitch and making sure that after you exercise, you get enough food back into your system to replenish all of your stores so that you don't get fatigued and you have the energy to rebuild your muscles. Hmm. Off of that, what is the science of the stitch? Why does that hurt? <laughs> it's basically you have food in your stomach that you are trying to digest. And when you are digesting foods, you can sometimes release lactic acid and gases. So if you then run around and jump around, that it uh, hurts. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's a bit like when you need to fart and you hold it in and you get that pain. It's, <laughs> yeah. that, it's because you're moving around while you're doing it and the gas builds up. 
oh man science <laughs> um got a question from meg who has done some amazing stuff in terms of health and fitness over the last few months uh who says no one warned me i, I do think this one's very very key um, yeah. no one warned me that being healthier and getting fit would also lead to body dysmorphia what tips do you have to overcome body dysmorphia whatever the reason for it happening Okay, so body dysmorphia is a horrible, horrible thing. And more people go through it than we think go through body dysmorphia. So how do you explain it? Like what what is body dysmorphia? Um, body dysmorphia is when you look in the mirror and you don't see the person that you are. You constantly pick the flaws in yourself. You body check yourself every time you go past a mirror. You never think you're good enough. You train and train and train. But you are never satisfied with how you look and your view of yourself can change day to day, even though realistically your body is not going to change in that short time window, Mm. but your opinion of yourself changes and you're always striving to look a certain way and are never happy with who you are, (laughs) which is very deep. Yeah. Um, And like I said, a lot of people get into the fitness journey. They will lose a lot of weight and have a lot of aesthetic goals that they aim for but and I fell into this trap and I think we've had quite a few conversations over the years where you've said to me what is your goal and what is your aim because you just relentlessly lose weight until you get so skinny and I got to a point where I was really skinny and unhealthy and you're still not happy with yourself like I didn't think I had enough abs I didn't think I was toned enough I wasn't satisfied with myself Mm -hmm. and the only way that you can get out of it is learning that you cannot be perfect all the time you cannot you might see a way that you want your body to look but everybody's bodies are different and you are never going to look like somebody else you're never going to look like the fitness inspiration that you have got because you are you Mm -hmm. and as long as you're eating the right things and fueling your body and you set goals that aren't just aesthetic like my goals at the minute are just to feel strong. I go to the gym because it helps my mental health. I eat well because it makes me feel healthy and live longer. Mm-hmm. And they're the things that make the difference. I still have bad body image days and days where I get body dysmorphia and I look at myself and I think, oh my God, like, what have you done? <laughs> but then the next day you wake up and you're like, no, it's fine. Like I'm doing really well. I'm in a really good place and you move on from it. Mm. But I would say if you have body dysmorphia, it is worth talking to someone about it because it's a horrible thing and you can't really go through it alone. <laughs> no, it's yeah, it, it just seems like such a because lots of people do go through that. I know I've been through phases in my life, especially when I was sort of much more um, active, I guess, with my parkour and free running. But like you don't there are points where you don't see at the time who you really are and like I look back at pictures now of me when I was sort of a bit younger and doing a lot more of that stuff where I was like Jesus Christ was I skinny at the time I just didn't didn't feel it at all and it was that similar thing of always thinking like oh, yeah. if I just lost this or like if I just got rid of this bit but like what you say about everyone being different everyone's like frames being different like you yeah. can't like you just have to you have to find a way to firstly accept who you are yes. and again like let's say none of this is medical advice by all means if you need to see a doctor and everything yes. <laughs> do that um but like if you can get to a point where you do accept who you are and then start to work out why you want to change those things because that was a lot of our um conversations and i i hear 
one of our, our members, Renee, kind of sighing at me saying, what is your goal? Um, but that, that is the point of it. If you're at the point where like you're working out, you're working out like it's making you exhausted from overthinking about it, like you are super skinny and all that kind of stuff. Like where, where's the end point? Yeah. Like what, what is the thing that you're trying to achieve? And if that thing is being healthy and feeling good, how do you do that? Because it might not necessarily be from working out and working out and under eating and all this other stuff. And yeah, yeah it's... Exactly it's 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 weird like i <laughs> the human mind is weird and i know that i i definitely still struggle with a lot of um the stuff i'm about to say but like ultimately who wouldn't want to feel their best every day yes like who wouldn't want to feel good like that's that's the ultimate question at the bottom of like a lot of my thinking like i wake up in the morning i'm like why would i not want to feel my best and if my best means that i go out for a 15 minute walk if it means i eat this instead of this and all this kind of stuff yeah. why wouldn't i want to do that but then i'll have days where i just don't and i eat shit but and i slob down on the sofa and you feel crap for it but that is so that is one of the things i struggled with because i want i learned that i wanted to do things to feel good instead of to look good because as soon as you change your vision from looking good to feeling good it mm-hmm. changes things yes but it's not only that it's accepting that you are not perfect everybody has days where they want to just sit on the sofa eat chocolate and watch crappy tv mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean you failed as long as the next day you pick yourself up and you say okay I've had my comfort day I'm going to go out for a walk today because that's going to help my head mm-hmm. and it's those things that get you out of that rut of hating on yourself <laughs> yeah yeah oh <laughs> I could I could go into a lot of this. Um, <laughs> but we've got uh, a couple more questions. So Meg says, "What are your top recommended health nutrition habits?" Walking, getting out on a walk as often as you can. Not just because it obviously helps you to burn the calories and helps you stay fit, but mental health wise, being out in the fresh air is the best thing you can possibly do for your brain. Mm. Um, so prioritizing that is always a good thing. Um health habits so again water eating the right foods making sure you're not cutting any food groups because your body needs all of those foods simple one having your five a day because Hmm. there is so much goodness in them and i know that we're brought up to sort of resent them because you think i've got to have my five a day (laughs) but there is a reason that they say that Hmm. like there's a logic to it sleeping sleep is so important to health because most of what goes on in your body happens when you're asleep and you're relaxed. And if you're not sleeping, your body's not digesting properly. You then wake up and you're still bloated and full. Mm-hmm. Or if you're not letting your body relax properly, you're tired and then you're going to create a caffeine and then you're not going to have the water and it just it backfires. And finding ways to reduce stress, because again, stress will affect how healthy you feel. So it's acknowledging when you're stressed and finding something that helps you get out of that mindset, whether it again is going for a walk or chatting to a friend or reading a book or writing a book. Mm-hmm. What I love about that is just not all of those are about actually the food that you put in your body. I think that's again just something fundamental that if you know if there's anything from this conversation people can take away, like it is that wholesome, like it's not just the one thing, it's every yeah. everything links. Like, like everything say, affects everything. Yeah, <laughs> sleep, movement, food, drink, like the whole lot. Like if you want to feel good, you can't just let everything else go and say, I'm gonna drink lots of water or like sleep really well and then just dehydrate yourself. Like it's yeah. it it is just an interconnectedness that helps make you feel good. It is. 
definitely. It's a lot. We have a question from Sam Frost who says, how do you detach emotion from food? Okay, so that is a tricky one. And it's more about learning your habits and about yourself. So we're obviously brought up that when you're, you do good things, you get rewarded with chocolates and sweets and things as kids. And then when you get older, if you go through sad times, like a breakup, you sit and eat ice cream and then you automatically put ice cream with sadness. And when you're sad, you want ice cream. But yeah. to get out of that, one, you don't have to get out of it. Sometimes it's okay to have those foods that make you happy when you're going through a horrible time because it makes you happy and you should do the things that help you get out of that bad time. But it's also learning what is causing that feeling so that you can find another way of dealing with it that isn't food. Um, again, if you're someone that gets stressed when you're sat at a table writing, preparing and having healthy snacks with you means that you're more likely when you get stressed to eat the things that are there than going and stress eating something, which then detaches the emotion of stress with going and getting a big fat McDonald's. Mm. I guess it comes back a little bit to... Um what you were saying earlier about there are no good or bad foods and there is a there's an element of guilt that we associate just because we're told so often that don't eat that it's unhealthy or you know yeah. eat something healthy or you know it's like the amount of women I have that uh they are on their periods and they're saying to me I'm really craving chocolate but I can't have it it's ridiculous I'm craving it so much I'm like your body craves chocolate when you're on your period because chocolate is predominantly fat hormones are made of fat and you are producing a shit ton of hormones on your period therefore you need the fat chocolate is a good thing have the chocolate and then have like, the chocolate can I, can I sit and have this cream egg yes you can <laughs> you earned it <laughs> yes um got a final question from river who says um i am on ssris and i've been gaining lots of weight is there any advice on how to maintain a healthy weight while taking antidepressants slash anxiety medications Okay, so again, I am not medically qualified to know about antidepressant things. I do, however, work with people that are on like anti-cancer medications and things that make them gain weight. And it doesn't mean you can't lose weight when you're on them. It just means that you need to focus on the basic things. So if it's going to make you gain weight, you need to try and move more if you can you need to try and eat the right foods obviously again I can't sit here and say eat x amount of foods and make sure you're having x amount of carbs protein and fats because it's individual to that person mm -hmm. but again it's all those different things that link it's your sleep it's your food it's your activity focusing on those things you can still lose them like my client she had cancer she's got ME so she cannot she can't do any exercise. She's not active at all. She has to be in a wheelchair. She's outside. She still managed to lose half a stone in eight weeks because she just ate the right foods, hydrated her body and paid attention to her sleep. Mm -hmm. And it's incremental as well, like you say, and like you said much earlier in this episode, like it's about the sustainability of it. A lot of the diets center around, I'm going to lose like considerable weight in a small amount of time. And not only is that less healthy than, you know, just chipping away at that limestone, but also, if you can create the sustainable habit, you then don't have to do the diets because you've, no. you've trained yourself in a way that you can eat the stuff that you want to. If you want to, you indulge. Like I know that you put pictures up of like just cheat days where you'll just like eat pizzas and ice cream and everything else. No, avo cheat so avoid days, the ways cheat days. Yes, not yes, cheat yes. Days. <laughs> I, I heard myself. I checked myself. 
Um, but yeah, those days where like you are out and you want to celebrate and do something else and you can factor that in because you know that long term wise, it's not like it's just a tiny little like indulgence and that's OK. And if you train your body like I'm currently eating the most amount of calories I've ever eaten and yet I weigh what I weighed back when I was eating a lot less calories just because if you do it slowly you build your metabolism up your body knows what to do with the food so if you have a day where you eat a Domino's pizza that has like 2,000 calories in it (laughs) it, your body goes okay we're used to this we know what to do with it we'll use it we'll store it we'll make energy out of it and if you do it over time your body works with you if you do a quick fix diet your body will hate you. It won't trust you and the weight will come back on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so we are reaching the end of this interview. I do have one more question. I think, you know, you've you've given a load of useful tips and bits of information for writers to, you know, fuel their body and try and feel more energized. If you could pick one thing for someone who is very um, new to thinking about nutrition and food, just like one specific place to start, what would that be? Track your food, work out what you are currently eating, where you are at, And I will say now in a general statement, if you are eating less than 1,500 calories in a day, you need to eat more. (laughs) And I'll also add, make sure you do track everything because the only person you're cheating is yourself. It is, isn't it, Daniel? (laughs) Hey, I can do that. (laughs) There were days where you didn't track your chocolate digestives. Well, there you go. I'm learned. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so tell my listeners um, where they can find you and all the stuff that you're working on and how they can get involved with food freedom should they wish. So I have a website, which is freedomwithbecca.com. I'm on Instagram at foodfreedomwithbecca. Becca is with Ks, um, but you'll put that in. (laughs) We'll put the links in the show notes, yeah. Yes. And yeah, reach out to me on there. I'm also on Facebook perfect so a big thank you to becca for joining me on the podcast today a massive thank you to you the listeners for tuning in and as always if you're looking to level up your writing and activate your author career then head on over to www.activatedauthors.com to find out all about our community our resources and everything else that we've got going on one more time goodbye rebecca goodbye daniel (laughs) (laughs) see you guys next week activate your energy